1: go through the process of getting diagnosed and treated. They have problems that prevent them from adhering to the therapy, so they need something else and that's where we come in.
0: There are lots of common medical problems out there that have less than ideal treatments, and there are big opportunities for companies out there that can provide innovative alternatives.
1: There's at least five, six million people in the United States alone who have been diagnosed, who are seeking alternative treatment. And for us, that's our immediate market. And that, that alone is a multiple billion dollar opportunity for us.
0: Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Sleep apnea affects a billion people worldwide and can cause serious medical problems, and yet its most widely prescribed therapy can be intolerable for many sufferers. My guest today has identified and jumped on a huge need for an alternative therapy. We're sitting down with Len Liptak, founder and CEO of Prosomnus Sleep Technology, which trades under the symbol OSA. He's a board member and the co-inventor of the company's flagship product. Prior to starting ProSonus, Len was president of Microdental Laboratories, where he led the commercialization of multiple award-winning products and directed the expansion of the company's digital supply chain. During Len's tenure, the company grew three times faster than the industry average and set company records for profitability. At Microdental, Len was named to ExecRank's list of top executives for privately held companies in 2012 and 2013 len also spent 10 years at 3m and striker in strategic business development business unit management and product development capacities while at 3m he was awarded the company's golden step award circle of technical excellence team award and global sales and marketing leadership award he has an mba from university of minnesota and a ba from brown we had a great conversation about the important work prosomnus is doing to solve a widespread medical problem let's enter the arena with len LipTech.
1: What we do every day is we make devices that help people sleep better and breathe better while they're sleeping at night. Uh, that That's our main focus. That's what we do. Uh, and uh, we try to drive that through the entire organization. Every single person who works here understands that when they come to work every day, uh, that, that they're playing a role in helping people breathe better while they sleep at night.
0: Yeah. So you're obviously an inventor too. You know, you know, Maybe in your own words, talk about your background and how this opportunity for ProSomnus kind of Came to you,
1: yeah. I kind of graduated from undergrad in the mid '90s when you know the dot-com boom was was in full flourish, and yeah. everyone had the entrepreneurial spirit back then. But uh, you know what I noticed from my time of working in Silicon Valley was there are kind of two types of folks: you know, folks that were at the right place at the right time, uh, which tended to be the majority of the folks out here working. Uh, but then the other group were those who were professional. Entrepreneurs, professional entrepreneurs. Uh, these are folks who had graduate degrees. These are folks who learned about new product commercialization, gate phase processes, and so on. At, you know, they learned at the greats, at the, at the Procter and Gamble's, at the Microsofts, at the three M's of the world. And I just felt like, okay, I wouldn't mind being lucky being at the right company at the right time. <laughs> but I, I really wanted to learn how to be a professional entrepreneur. So after having some success here in Silicon Valley, decided to get uh, my MBA um, and then go to work at a company, 3M specifically, which has an incredible heritage of entrepreneurship, commercialization, et cetera. Uh, and so that was you know, kind of kicked off my journey. I got the innovation bug from being out here I decided that I wanted to do more than just be lucky at it. <laughs> so it uh, led to business school in 3M.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a really cool background. Maybe tell the audience just what obstructive sleep apnea is. How prevalent is it? How many people have it, not only in the US, but around the world?
1: Yeah. So OSA, the, the CDC considers obstructive sleep apnea to be a public health epidemic. Lancet estimates that a billion people worldwide have obstructive sleep apnea. And the challenge that 90% of those folks, an uh, estimated 90%, are not even diagnosed. Uh, so it's a it's a major issue. And the, the so what, what obstructive sleep apnea is, is that while people sleep at night, their airways collapse. You know, it may manifest itself in a snore, <laughs> which yep. you know, people can often find funny, uh, but really it's a symptom of an underlying disease that can be quite serious because when the airway collapses, it deprives the patient's vital organs organs of oxygen, uh, and that creates all sorts of problems. So the, the consequences of not treating obstructive sleep apnea are significant. There's significantly higher rates of morbidity and mortality. Um, there are a host of comorbidities of, you know, associated with obstructive sleep apnea in terms of hypertension, cardiovascular events, neurovascular events, diabetes, and cancer, and all of those things you know, affect you know, people's overall health. Above and beyond that, I think even arguably more persistent are the effects on everyday quality of life. Uh, people with obstructive sleep apnea, you know, are more likely to go through a sleep divorce where they no longer share a bed with their bed partner or spouse, or they're drowsy driving, or they have higher levels of absenteeism, uh, lower academic performance, lower workplace performance. So these are all kind of the everyday consequences of obstructive sleep apnea. Uh, one of our more important customers is the US army for example and they absolutely care about the long term health of their of their servicemen and women but they also take sleep apnea and sleep health very seriously because when they're when soldiers are deployed on a mission they want to make sure that they can perform and be the best they can be while while performing so uh, for a lot of reasons sleep apnea is a, is a major issue and we're proud to be part of the solution to helping patients treat their sleep apnea
0: yeah. How do you kind of calculate your total addressable market at this point?
1: Our immediate market is is massive. Our immediate market is comprised of uh, several million patients who have refused or failed CPAP. They've already been diagnosed, they've already been offered a CPAP, and they say either, I don't want to wear that or I'm not going to be able to wear that, or they try it. And they ultimately fail to tolerate it after a period of time. And there are an estimated three to four million people who fall into that category. Um, Then there are another. 2 to 3 million people who have been affected by the CPAP recall, and they're in search of an alternative treatment. So there's at least 5, 6 million people in the United States alone who have been diagnosed, who are seeking alternative treatment. And for us, that's our immediate market. And it's in that, that alone is a multiple billion dollar opportunity for us, a market that we can access right away of people who are in need and physicians who are looking for alternatives.
0: Yeah, and the um, for people who don't know, if you you're from like another planet or something, (laughs) the CPAP is the the mask with the hose, and you know, very cumbersome, and for some people, intolerable at night. Which is a great segue into your flagship product, Len. Maybe you can describe the flagship product and the key features and how it's differentiated in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, sure. So there there are several mechanisms of action for treating sleep apnea. One, Tom, as you mentioned, is a CPAP where the mechanism of action is to push air down the throat to overcome the obstruction. What we do is we have an intraoral device. It looks a little bit like clear aligners for orthodontic treatment if anyone's tried Invisalign, um, except for we have uh, what we call prescription posts on the side of our upper and lower dental splints that posture the jaw forward. And what our device does is it postures the jaw forward and stabilizes the jaw in that forward position at night, which prevents the jaw from falling down and collapsing the airway, right? The, the patient's tongue and their upper airway anatomy is largely connected to their to their jaw. And so if that jaw falls down at night while patients are sleeping, it can collapse the airway um, and, and cause sleep apnea related problems. So we we prevent that, we prevent that upper airway collapsibility by holding the jaw forward using our intraoral medical device.
0: Yeah, and there's no nothing straps around your head and you know masks over your airway, which has to be uh, incredibly appealing to people who just feel claustrophobic about that experience.
1: Our device in clinical studies is highly preferred to CPAP. And it's for the reasons you just mentioned, right? I mean, if with a CPAP mask, once you put the mask on, you pretty much have to try to go to bed. You can't really have a conversation with your bed partner. It's difficult to read a book. It really encumbers the bedtime routine. With our device, patients can talk. They can have a conversation with their bed partner. They can watch Seinfeld on TV. They can read a book. They can check their phone. Uh, It's easy to take care of. It's easy to keep clean and so what i think people really prefer about our device above and beyond everything else is that it fits their bedtime routine they can have a normal bedtime routine with their bed partner and you know they can get up and go to the bathroom with our device they don't have to worry about taking it out uh, they can go get a drink of water and drink water uh, wearing our device so it just fits the routine which i think is a, is the reason why it's so highly preferred and our adherence rates are so good how do you get it to patients like what channels do you sell through in terms of path to market it is it's largely through physicians. There are about 400,000 physicians in the United States who have diagnosed sleep apnea or treated sleep apnea on some level. And then somewhere in the range of thirty-five to 40,000 of those are real pros, where they are treating a significant number of patients each and every day. And so you know, we work with those sleep physicians to educate them, make them aware of the latest research on our product, explain to them what our product is and what it does, and then, once the patient is uh, prescribed our therapy, our sales team works with those physicians to make sure that they're referred to qualified therapy providers. In our case, most of our therapy providers happen to be dentists who are trained in sleep medicine. Um, it can also be some oral surgeons and some ENTs. And our sales reps create that you know that that virtuous referral relationship between the sleep-oriented physician and the uh, therapy provider for our device. And
0: does it have to be prescribed by a physician? Like, could someone go to your website and get it, or you have to go through that channel, right?
1: Yeah, it is a medical device. This is a medical device. Uh, But the benefit of that for the patient going through that is it's also covered by medical insurance. Uh, We have excellent market access. About 200 million adults are already eligible to receive coverage for our therapy if they should be diagnosed with sleep apnea. Uh, so we have really good coverage in place and reimbursement policies in place for our therapy already. It's also a distinction, though, because there are you know, some over-the-counter devices, Tom, that people can buy at a CVS or a Walgreens or their local health retailer, but they're, they're very trial and error. They're very hit or miss. It's like you know throwing darts to dartboard blindfolded. And every once in a while, you might get lucky and the device might work. Uh, but we're putting what we do at Prosomnus is a pres- medical device that is prescription strength uh, so that it works with a lot more consistency and predictability.
0: I know you expanded your sales force recently. What are the economics of adding a great salesperson? I would imagine supply creates demand a little bit in this case. If you get someone who's great, you have a pretty good uh, data set on how they're going to do over time. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. For, you know, Average to above average performing sales reps, you know, compared to what I experienced at other companies, it's a very attractive ramp. Uh, You know, within the first six to nine months, a sales rep can more than pay for themselves um, and then over a two to three year period of time carry about a $2 million quota where they are paying for him or herself and then making significant contributions back to the company that we can reinvest in clinical studies and marketing and R&D and other things. And you know the good news is that there are a lot of high quality uh, sales professionals out there. You got to find the right ones, and of course, it's always about making sure they fit the team and that they have familiarity with the types of physicians and the types of devices that we're selling. But there's a good pool of talented folks out there, and we've had a good success finding them.
0: I know you recently shared some results from a national survey that you all conducted on OSA. Maybe talk about some of the findings of the survey or any other data that. You know, you might want to share that kind of validates the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, the, the survey was a revelation. It was eye opening in that uh, most people still see snoring as not a, not an indicator of a serious medical problem, right? 71% of the snorers have never consulted a healthcare professional, which means that as an industry and as a field of sleep medicine, we have a lot to do in terms of advocacy and letting people know that if they do have these certain signs and symptoms, that they need to tell someone about it. Uh, you know, they can tell their PCP about it, who most PCPs are now uh, trained to screen for sleep apnea if the patient presents with symptoms. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of public awareness uh, to let, to, you know, to get people comfortable um, asking their doctor if they have any of these signs and symptoms. The other thing is that 58% of the respondents to survey. Don't know who to talk to about it. You know they don't know if they should be talking to their PCP. They don't know how to find a sleep specialist. They talk to their cardiologist, a pulmonologist, a dentist. They don't know where to go. So again, it's a it's a public awareness and advocacy related issue. The other part about this, which is important for personas is that ninety four percent of people who snore who have gotten a CPAP have identified significant issues that have led them to discontinue using their CPAP. And so even those who raise their hand and say, hey, is this a problem? They go through the process of getting diagnosed and treated. They have problems that prevent them from adhering to the therapy. So they need something else. And that's where we come in at Prosomas.
0: It's an exciting time for Prosomnus. Their rapid growth has meant they've needed to relocate and expand their manufacturing facility to set them up for their current and future demand.
1: Every device we make is individualized. We take data from the patient's anatomy and we use that data uh, to customize every single medical device we make so that it matches the anatomy of the patient within about 0.2 millimeters of variance. And what that means is we have to have a very unique manufacturing process. Everything we do is is using milling robots and auto design uh, and different types of digital manufacturing technologies that allow us to do mass customized manufacturing at scale without compromising quality or service levels. About two years ago, uh, we had the high-class problem. Of we're just continuing to grow, and we were growing out of our existing facility. Uh, so we, we started the process of looking for a new facility. We ended up finding a place that was you know, basically a baseball throw away from our old facility, which would make it convenient for employees and not disrupt employees. Uh, but we ended up tripling our total square footage but quintupling our manufacturing space because of the way that we were able to organize the the space and the layout. We are able to design the space to be optimized for our particular workflow. And we're really happy that we made the move in the first quarter of this year. And and what that means for our business, of course, is that we've de-risked you know, uh, some of the growth aspects because, you know, a lot of companies when they're recently public, first of all, you don't know if they can sell anything because they maybe just went public with a business plan or a, a hypothesis or a hunch. They don't really have any commercial traction. Well, we have commercial traction. Then the next problem is usually can they scale up manufacturing and we've clearly demonstrated that we can. And now with this new facility, we've de-risked our growth for the next several years. Uh, you know, we should have enough capacity to get us through, you know, the next three to five years in terms of space and room for a Equipment. The last part I'll mention with that, Tom, is the execution of, of the team. We, we brought down our servers in our old facility on a Thursday afternoon. That next Monday, you know, three or four days later, we were up and running at full capacity with service and quality. The best compliment we got is that customers didn't even realize we moved. So the team did an excellent job executing the move. And I think that's uh, part and parcel of how our team operates.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes people who grow companies on a spreadsheet versus actually (laughs) doing it just think you, you know, snap your fingers and you move and you're like in the new manufacturing facility, right? It's hilarious.
1: Absolutely, right? You know, nobody had COVID in their spreadsheet. Nobody has any of these (laughs) types of real world world factors in their spreadsheets. But uh, we've demonstrated that we can operate the business.
0: Congrats on the move. How do you ensure the products meet all like the regulatory approvals and certifications before they get out in the market? How do you do that?
1: Yeah. So we have a quality management system, right? So that's the trick is we do mass customized manufacturing, but we follow work instructions, we follow specifications, we audit everything, we track all of the complaints and variances, we put those into a continuous quality improvement process. And so we take quality very seriously here. We, you know, we, we have about 97% total quality on our products after three years. It comes from control. It comes from specifications. It comes from validation of equipment uh, and it comes from training our, our team. Uh, Tom, the other thing I'll just mentioned, I think makes us a little bit different is that a lot of companies see AI and technology as a way to replace labor And that's never been our philosophy. Our philosophy has been that the scarcity is actually good people. And so, when you find good people, let's give them all of the tools, all of the AI, all of the milling robots, all of the CAD design software. Let's give them all the tools we can to help those good people do more and be more brilliant. Uh, so, we see it as enhancing our, our labor, enhancing our work instructions, enhancing our culture, as opposed to kind of uh, you're placing it.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: We have been using you know a, a form of AI uh, for both our design software and also for our milling robots. The software that runs our milling robots. And we've seen over a 3x improvement in our yield rates and our quality and our service since we started doing this. So so we take good people and we operate uh, these technologies, but then we learn from the variances and learn from the mistakes to improve the algorithms that run this design software and run the milling robots so we get better roll throughput, yield, quality, and service so we're actually seeing huge benefits from uh, these technologies, but everyone's got an algorithm, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to overplay. It is about the human intelligence, uh, but we are seeing tremendous leverage from technology, both in the manufacturing side and also from the product design side.
0: You mentioned Len Innovation a couple times. Talk about maybe any strategic partnerships or collaborations that you've done to kind of drive innovation forward at the company.
1: In terms of partnerships, you'll have two types of partnerships. The first, let's say, are commercial partnerships. Uh, One great example of that, as I mentioned, is the Department of Defense with the U.S. Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Veterans Affairs Hospitals, uh, where we work with them to deliver uh, personas devices to people in need for active duty members of the armed services, armed forces. Um, It's about everyday performance, cognitive function, stamina, decision-making. That's why they care about sleep medicine, and we're very proud to be their partners. And as you can appreciate, it's difficult for members of the armed forces to deploy to austere locations uh, with a CPAP because there's nowhere to plug in the CPAP. There's nowhere to get distilled water. So they have to have a more uh, economical, if you will, solution, and that's the Prasomis device. And then for the veterans, um, the other issue with them, of course, there's a high prevalence of PTSD and putting a CPAP mask over their face is probably one of the worst things one can do. Oh my God,
0: I never even thought of that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that's why for veterans, uh, you know, we're an interesting solution for them because- we can provide them with some therapy here in a way that is complementary to some of the other complications that they're dealing with. And you know, I, I'm the son of a veteran. I'm very proud. Anytime we get an opportunity to help uh, veterans or active duty soldiers, it's a badge of honor for our company, and we all take it very seriously, and we're all very proud of it. And then the other types of partnerships are maybe a little less exciting, but more functional. Where on the R and D side, right, we're constantly looking for better materials. We're constantly looking for better technologies. Our next generation device. We're embedding an oxygen sensor into our device to allow for continuous nightly oxygen monitoring, uh, which we think is going to be a big deal. Uh, and we find partners for a lot of things. You know, we, we develop our specifications based on feedback from customers and our understanding of technology, our understanding of the scientific trends. Uh, but then we put together, let's say, you know, a, a classic RFP to go find the right partners and the right vendors who can deliver the right technology to us. We are a very tech-forward company, but we also are mindful about what our core competencies are. And so if we have to expand our core competencies, then we look to partner with companies that can be leaders in that that, that technological field so that we can provide the best product possible to customers.
0: How do you gather... Feedback from kind of healthcare providers and patients to kind of improve the product. That's you know obviously it sounds like a real data driven product.
1: Yeah, well there there are three main ways to, that we that we collect feedback. The first is post market surveillance. You know we have nine ten thousand bits of feedback on. How patients and practices have, uh, how they feel about our device, are they satisfied, are they unsatisfied? How did it fit? How did it work? You know, so we're really big on post-market surveillance as part of our quality management system. Um, we also then have a quality management system so that if there's any bit of feedback from a customer, whether it comes through a sales rep or into our customer care team or any member of our organization, we put it into our quality management system and then we analyze that data with the kind of classic failure modes, effects analysis, uh, those types of things. Um, then we uh, also do things a little more proactive. We're very big on what we call voice of customer meetings where we will invite lead users from around the world to fly into a location and we'll talk about several salient topics and get their feedback on it with the idea of establishing performance goals and specifications for next generation products and programs. And then the fourth is, and and a very important one, is we're very keen on contributing to the scientific literature. You know, we want to do medical grade research. We want to see how our devices perform in a controlled environment. And that's important because that's the language of medicine. You know, we don't want to just be cherry picking cases saying, hey, it worked on this person, worked on that person. We actually want to study it in a controlled scientific fashion so that we can then take that data to healthcare providers so that they can make informed evidence-based decisions about what the best treatment is for the patient and the chair. Um, so those are some of the ways that we try to use feedback uh, to drive how we prioritize our, our activities at the company.
0: Look, all of this is coming together in terrific growth rates. Maybe you could talk about the recent quarter. Revenues are obviously growing at a great clip. How is it kind of translating through the P and L, um, the way you look at it, Len?
1: Yeah, well, we we've been on historically a thirty-five to forty percent compound growth rate leading up to our public transaction last December. And what's been exciting for me is to see us accelerating our growth rate since we went public. So you know, demonstrating that we're taking some of the Benefits and proceeds of becoming a public company, reinvesting them in growth initiatives, and then seeing the business respond. We posted 48% growth in the first half of the year over prior year. Which you know, puts us in the top you know five or ten publicly traded med device companies when it comes to growth rates. So we're very excited about that. And we did it organically, not through acquisitions. We also think that that growth rate is indicative of our value proposition and differentiation in physicians um, at a greater rate, appreciating what we're doing and, and trusting our therapy for their patients. With that, though, Tom, you know, with that type of growth, we saw gross margins expand, You know, and that's normally not what you see when a company's growing 48%, and it's a testament to our operational team and the work that they're doing and, uh, and with moving into a new facility on top of that. Uh, we also saw our service and quality metrics improve over prior year during the first half of this year. So all of that looks fantastic. And then on the OPEX side, we had the type of uh, operating expenses that a company has when they go public, where you know you have some extra one, you know, one-time costs from all the various SEC filings and things that have to be done to become a public company, making investments to scale up the finance organization so that we can be a competent publicly traded company. And so, you know, I'm excited for what the second half of the year holds for us as we begin to leverage a lot of these investments and also taper some of the the one-time or public-related costs uh, that are associated with our transactions. I think we're set up for a really nice uh, second half of the year given our growth and the other factors.
0: Yeah, and and like I said, you can't do that without a great team. I always think at the end of the day, if you're investing with somebody, you're investing with the people that are at the top because they're going to make it happen. Maybe talk about the team and the culture of the company and any thoughts you have there.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. I think we're, we're blessed with a fabulous team. When I think of leadership, I think of leadership as a leader is someone who helps a group of people achieve something that they otherwise couldn't achieve on their own. You know, and so when I think about the executive team at Prismus, when I think of anybody who's in a managerial role here, that is the quality that I see in those people: is that they are committed to achieving something that maybe that group of people couldn't handle on their own, or achieve on their own, or weren't aware that they could accomplish it on their own. The other thing that comes to mind when I think of the team is uh, this: this idea that if you know, I, I. I travel a lot, so I read a lot of books about uh, high performance teams, Navy SEALs, all those things, right? And uh, you know, there's always this, and the enemies would say that they think the Navy SEALs can see around corners. And there's some truth to that because they probably do have some technology that allows them to see around corners. And so we're a big believer in technology that helps us see around corners. But really what it comes from is incredible practice and determination and expertise and mastery, and that's another you know quality of our executive team. Where every member of our team has demonstrated a mastery in their particular field, whether it be clinical affairs, or marketing, or sales, or operations, or R and D, finance. Uh, so we have a, a fantastic team of people who have been masterful in their roles, which then gives us competitive advantage ultimately. Because I just say it's about human intelligence and then technology that allows the human intelligence to flourish.
0: The simplicity of the technology Prosomnus offers is really key to their success. They've created a unique, easy solution for a widespread medical problem. And with a huge total addressable market, they're set up for rapid growth. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast, and in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I want to thank Len Liptak for joining me today. He and his team are committed to innovation and continual improvement and seeing incredible growth in the process. It's a really exciting company to watch, and we'd love to check in with him again down the road. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena.